You're listening to the Party in My Plants podcast, and you're about to hear what the fork you should be eating and what the knife you shouldn't be. Uh, That one didn't work out that well. Welcome to the Party in My Plants podcast, where I make healthy living as fun as a party so you'll, you know, actually want to do it and then actually feel, look, and live your best. I'm your host, Talia Pollock. Now let's get this party started. Today's guest is as passionate about giving it to you straight as she is about giving you a green smoothie. Stephanie Sachs is the author of the No BS book, What the Fork Are You Eating? An Action Plan for Your Pantry and Plate, which literally takes you ingredient by ingredient, aisle by aisle, sketchy fact by sketchy fact, and leads you to make smarter, healthier choices, which she is a firm believer are what adds up to a totally healthy life. I met Stephanie at an event for a New York City speakers, and our similarities freaked me out. We are both graduates of the Healthy Culinary School, the Natural Gourmet Institute, although she also has a master's in nutrition from Columbia University. We both harbored as much passion for clearing up the BS and eliminating the just eat kale because it's trendy situation. We've both been on the Dr. Oz show, although she's been on a few more times than me. She used to have a radio show, and I currently have a radio show. We were both wearing the same color toenail polish at the moment we met, and she lives in Montauk on the beach, and, well, I love the beach and wish I lived there. So, yeah, twinsies. I'm so excited to share this conversation with you today, packed with some F-bombs, knowledge bombs, and bomb.com doable tricks. Stephanie, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm so excited to talk to you about your book and all this stuff. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. You know, you have like the dream team of degrees. You have a master's of science in nutrition from Columbia University and a culinary school certification from actually the same culinary school I graduated from. Right. Can you tell us a little about your journey into promoting wellness through food? Oh, God. So I'm kind of like an old cat in that I've been doing this for 30 years. (laughs) Um, So uh, it all started for me in the 80s. You know, I spent a lot of time sick as a kid, terrible allergies, asthma, recurring bronchitis, pneumonia. And at the age of 15, I'd always loved to cook. And at the age of 15, I got a summer job cooking in a health food store. And it was there that I picked up Food and Healing by Anne-Marie Colbin, who you know if we went to the same culinary school because she founded the Natural Gourmet Institute for Health and Culinary Arts in New York City. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I started really playing with my own diet and determining that hmm, as I cleaned up my diet, I started to feel better. And I read voraciously. So Anne-Marie Colbin, Andy Weil, you know, some books that, that people probably haven't even heard of um, this day and age. We've, yeah. we've taken such leaps. But some of the old school, real deal uh, thought leaders in this food and healing movement. And I became my own guinea pig. Mm-hmm. And in the late eighties, I went to see this wonderful environmental physician who we now, you know, we now call them integrative MDs, right? Mm -hmm. But back then in the eighties, they were called environmental doctors because what they were doing was really looking at all of these other factors in the environment, in your diet that could make you sick. Her name was Dr. Sherry Rogers and she wrote a book called Tired or Toxic. 
And I went to see her up in Syracuse, New York. I was 17 years old. And she put me on a candida diet. Wow, it's coming back around. <laughs> it's a big thing now. Coming back around. It is a big thing now. But this was like when it wasn't cool in the 80s. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I went, I was in college. I took myself off the meal plan. I cooked for myself in my, my own suite. Wow. I was sort of a, you know, a freakazoid. <laughs> um, I had friends who were drinking Coke out of Twizzler straws. And I was wondering where my chicken came from and, and, <laughs> reading ingredient labels. That's so cool. And she really helped me turn my health around. And, um, you know, within one month on a candida diet, I was off of five different medications. Wow. And I'm like, there's something to this. And so it really was a personal quest for probably about, you know, 10 years until I decided to formalize my education and thought actually that I was going to start by getting my master's in nutrition. But the creative side of me really wanted to explore uh, the culinary and formalize my education first. Mm. So I went to the Natural Gourmet because where else would I go right. um, at that time? And I graduated in uh, in 98 and uh, then went on to get my master's in nutrition at Teachers College, Columbia University, because I really wanted to be able to partner with doctors and dietitians and be able to work with people with illness. But talk about it from a point of absolute credibility and fact-based science and stay in my lane. Right. Well, that's a, I mean, I love how first it was a long personal journey that then became a formal education. And now is, you've had another long professional journey, which is, it's pretty much been your whole life where you've really been promoting wellness through food and have seen and experienced firsthand how what you eat affects how you feel and how you live your life. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, as I say to people, I am, I live with chronic illness too. And so I am um, a patient mm. and I'm a practitioner. Ah. And and so I saddle both worlds. And so I have to navigate my own diet on a regular basis. I live with a renal disease and, um, and I've been through a lot related to it. And there's a lot that I can manage uh, through diet and uh, lifestyle choices to keep me as healthy as I can be. And so I live as a patient and I also live as a practitioner. So I kind of walk the walk and talk the talk and have been for 30 years. Yeah. So, um, when people say to me, you know, Stephanie, I do want to do exactly what you do or, you know, how did you get there? I'm like, Oh God, you know, it's, <laughs> it's been a long journey and, yeah. um, you may not want to go through half of what I've been through to get to where I am today. But, yeah. uh, you know, I, I make lemonade out of lemons. <laughs> well, that's great. I mean, I think a lot of us, myself included, have had our own journey and our own struggle that has led us to want to help others based on helping ourselves. And so I think that's what makes a really true practitioner and believer in eating healthfully when you've experienced it firsthand and still have to maintain a clean, healthy lifestyle to feel good on a daily basis. Right. It's like, you know, I may not have what you have, but I've been through a nightmare medical journey like you're going through right now. And this is where I can help That's you. That's great. That's great. And it's so comforting for other people to know that you're not just full of it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because there are way too many people who yeah. are. And speaking 
about not being full of it. When we met, the one thing we instantly shared in common was both of our no BS approach to healthy eating. You uh-huh. know, just like me, you tell it how it is. And nothing makes that more clear than the title of your incredible book, What the yeah. Fork Are You Eating? Which yeah. I absolutely love and I recommend to everybody listening right now. So it's linked in the show notes for you all. But tell us, how was this book born? Oh, God. Um, you know, I just joke. It's a labor of love and pain. <laughs> um, so the way the book was born was that I had contributed to multiple books, and, and I was being called on my expertise as a culinary nutritionist um, to contribute to doctor's books or, um, you know, people with illness who were writing books and, and sort of, uh, you know, were these sort of self-proclaimed uh wellness warriors or, you know, pseudo celebrities or whatever you want to call them. (laughs) And I was being asked to contribute to all of these books. And I, I ended up contributing to three books. And I think when I I got my fourth, oh, can you contribute to my book phone call? I was like, yeah, I'm done. (laughs) I'm just over it, you know, (laughs) and my, my students and my patients, they would all say to me, God, you know, you just teach in this no nonsense way. You're, you're so no BS. Why does it, why does it work when we work with you? And so, um, they said, you know, you need to write a book, you need to get out there. And it was never my intention. I mean, granted, I, I was a creative writing minor in college. Full circle. However, you know, I was a minor because it was the only way that I could sort through the uh, party in my head all the time mm-hmm. was by writing. Interesting. Um, and I had used it as a tool since I was a very, very young child. Um, it started with poems and, and then stories. And, and so I became a creative writing minor in college and I loved it. So I knew how to write. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? maybe I should just give it a go and see if I could write my own book. And so um, I actually had toyed with the idea for a couple years and um, spoken to several um, agents. You know, great idea. We love what you're doing. Um, You're not a celebrity. Uh, Sorry, don't know if we can help you. And I think it was just pure persistence that I was like, you know what, I'm going to figure out a way to make this work. And I, I oh, wow. met this woman, an agent, and, and she's like, huh, you're doing something different. And I like that. And uh, I don't know if you have a book here, but let's talk it through. And, and um, as I always say, she dragged me over the coals for four months <laughs> through multiple writing exercises. And, and we narrowed down um, how I could morph my knowledge, which is really based in my private practice for mm-hmm. years and how I work with people. So it's uh, the one-on-one, it's it's evaluating, it's um, shopping education, it's hands-on cooking instruction, and it's really giving my, my clients and students and patients the tools to navigate choice and meeting where they're That's at. That's amazing. So when did the name What the Fork pop into your head? It's a funny story. Um, well, first of all, it's what I think yeah. all the time, but I I don't think in forks, right? <laughs> right. Um, gotcha. Yeah. So I, I think what I'll tell you is I'll tell you my aha moment. Yeah. Uh, my aha moment, which I actually talk about in my TEDx talk, is uh, my older son is a hockey player. Both my kids are, but 
But at this time, we were at a hockey clinic for my older son, and I was in the stands, and this was in 2012. And this was also my impetus to kind of write the book, um, where I was I was sort of like, okay, well, I'm kind of done of, you know, people asking me to write. And I'm also done with people telling me that I'm nobody and I can't write. So, so that was, this was my major aha moment. And I'm in the stands and there's a woman, um, who's watching her son play as I'm watching my son play. And we both have our younger, our younger boys with us. And her younger son is hysterical, crying, screaming. He's like 18 months old at the time. And I'm watching her and she reaches into her bag and she grabs a baby bottle, an empty baby bottle, and then a bottle of red Gatorade. And she pours the red Gatorade into the bottle. And I am like, uh, literally, uh, I am screaming inside of myself. And I'm basically saying, what for? the, you know, <laughs> what the fork? Are you kidding oh me? What God. are you doing? And I'm realizing I can't say anything yeah. to this woman because it's not right yet you know, maybe she thinks she's doing the right thing and she isn't. And who am I to right. judge? Because I can't judge. And so it was time, you know, that kind of was the aha moment to really push forward with this book journey. And then about that time, I don't know if, if you know of this, but, uh, you don't have kids, but back around that time, there was this, uh, ebook or this PDF that came out called go the no, fuck to I've sleep. I've never heard of this. And it was hysterical. Okay, because it was what every parent was thinking when their kid wasn't going oh, to sleep. And so um, I was just in awe because I was like, God, you know, here's this parent who was so exhausted and just said it as it was and was so tired of all the BS. And and there's uh, a YouTube read of it where Samuel L. Jackson is narrating. Oh, my God. And it is hysterical. That sounds great. That sounds so funny. It is so funny. So my friend, Julie Negrin, who is also a culinary nutritionist, happened to be visiting at the time. And we were talking and I, I just, I, I just said to her, um, you know, I really just want to say to people, what the fuck are you eating? Yeah. And she goes, well, think about go the fuck to sleep. Mm. Like, you're right. She says, Steph, just say it as it is. That's you. Yeah, it is. And so I was like, yeah, but I don't want to go out with that, you know, that harsh of a word because my work truly involves so much compassion and so much non-judgment right. and so much kindness. Um, and, and even though I have the mouth of a truck driver a lot of times. <laughs> Which is funny because um, you look like the opposite. I know. Isn't it yeah. funny? Funny. I'm a good Jewish, blonde <laughs> Jewish girl from Chester. Um, but so, so fork just seemed very logical. So it. what the fork are you eating um, was birthed. That's great. And you know, that story, I listened to your TED talk or watched it and that story really hit me. And what even hit me beyond that is when you said something like in that moment, you actually felt sad for that woman because oh. she probably didn't even know any better. It's, it's, you know, Talia, this is the thing is that, um, I mean, the book is extremely informative. Um, it is mildly snarky um, and slightly edgy mm -hmm. and entertaining. Yeah, I agree with um, all those things. It aims to really educate because in the end, you know, preaching gets you nowhere. Right. Preaching pushes people away. And for me, you know, one of my students coined it beautifully. She came up to me one day and she goes, oh, my God, Stephanie, I have never met anybody who is so opinionated 
but non-judgmental. <laughs> right. And I like I had tears in my yeah. eyes. I said, "Oh my god, I've achieved what I've aimed to re- to achieve." Yeah. That's great. And you do. You just in your book, you really tell it as it is. And one thing that you tell that I love and couldn't agree more with is that just because something's from Whole Foods or another health food store doesn't mean it's automatically healthy. And no. this idea just frustrates me and breaks my heart when people get misled because, you know, it's really true that a lot of people think that just anything at these health food stores or anything marked organic or with any healthy ingredient is automatically healthy. And, you know, for example, my dear sister, she means really well. And, you know, I'm her (laughs) sister and she has to kind of mean well around me (laughs) at least. So I remember one day she shows up in my apartment visiting me in New York. She lives in San Francisco and she's, she's carrying a scone. And I'm, I'm like, trying to not be judgy. And I'm like, what? Is that a scone? And she's like, yeah, they had it at a bakery at Grand Central. It has quinoa in it. So it's healthy. Right. And <laughs> no, it's a scone. Oh my God. And I was just like, dear sister, you know, what the fork, you know? Yeah. But that's the story of our lives these days. And I guess I'm wondering how would you suggest people start to change their mindset around these masked healthy foods that you call phony foods? Yeah. Well, I, you know, I think what I have had to conclude um, and what I try to impart on so many people is that you cannot count on industry or government to tell you what's healthy. Right. Period. End of discussion. I mean, if you want to talk government and food regulations, it is, it is the biggest sham going and food industry is the biggest sham going Mm -hmm. period. End of discussion. And so we have to take health into our own hands and we have to know how to navigate choice. And that's why I had to write this book. So um, what it is, is is I call it an edible education. Mm. And I think the only responsibility people have is to get, to get an ed- edible education. Mm-hmm. With that, you can make informed choices. Right. So I always say to people, I don't care what you eat. Just make an educated choice. Mm. Yeah. Don't just willy nilly stuff in your mouth. So don't, you know, enjoy the scone, but don't for a hot second think that because it's quinoa, it's not a baked good that's not caloric, okay, and and is not a health food. Right. It's not. Right. Yeah, it's not It's not a healthy snack. No, it's not a health food uh, product. <laughs> supercharged for health right. support. Right. right. Well, one thing you said in your book that really gave me the chills, honestly, was most of the people making your food really don't want to tell you how they do it because if they did, you probably wouldn't buy it. That literally <laughs> right. gives me the chills. That's like a horror movie. It is a horror movie. It's it's nuts. It it is nuts. Yeah. And you know, there are there are some documentaries that you can find that really show you how certain foods are made. Absolutely. And once you see them, I mean, I just did this hysterical thing with my son is a travel hockey player at this point. Mm-hmm. He plays for the Long Island Rebels. And we are on the road all the time. And um his team is located in the middle of Long Island and uh his team is really a, a family to us. And everybody has different eating habits. And so I'm sort of the uh, 
butt end of so many people's jokes because I'm the one who's like, no guys, you can't have the Gatorade mm-hmm. while your teammates can, you, oh, you can't, no. <laughs> no and my kids know all of this. And so the kids love to say, oh my God, Steph, will you take a picture of me eating and post it on Instagram? And so, um, one of my son's teammates, he's adorable and he's, he's like, can we post this one on Instagram? And I said, you know what, Mikey said, you and I are going to have a little conversation about McDonald's chicken nuggets. (laughs) I said, you eat them, don't you? He goes, "Uh uh-huh. I go, do you want to never eat them again? He goes, what? I showed him a video of how they were made. He hasn't touched them since and he won't. Wow. There's the edible education. Boom. Boom. Right? So there are so many tools. There's so many tools out there. Right. Totally. And you lay out a lot of those terminators, as you call it, that we need to avoid. You say, you know, top rated terminators like artificial flavors and colors and sweeteners and hydrogenated oils, pesticides, antibiotics, hormones, GMOs, the whole gang. But, you know, this can feel very overwhelming. So I'm wondering where you would say is a good starting point. Like if you had to choose a top top rated Terminator or two that everyone listening ought to really try to avoid putting into their mouths at all costs, where would you start? What one or two would you pick? Okay. Well, the first thing I'm going to say is one of the uh, most important tools that people need is to understand that ingredients tell the story of your food, Mm. not nutrition facts and labels. Okay. Not, not health claims. So if you want to understand if your food is healthy, read your ingredient label. Mm -hmm. The longer the ingredient list, the more processed a food is. The shorter the list, the less processed. So simple. Okay. Very, very simple. I mean, it it is so basic. Also understand that sugar can be listed 50 different ways on an ingredient list. I know. Now, if I'm going to tell you um, what top-rated terminators to avoid, avoid, which what I do is I go into what they are, why they're bad, and the better for you alternatives. Because mm-hmm. I'm all about solutions. Yeah. Like, I'm so tired of the problems. Yeah. You don't just tell people, don't eat this, don't eat this. You, you know, because then where people are feeling, okay, can't eat anything. You say, eat this instead. There's a solution. And, and we're at a day and age where there is pretty much a healthier replacement for everything other than like a Twinkie. Right. But you could probably okay. make your own kind of version at home. <laughs> You sure can make your own. So what I, the second line of defense would be to stay away from anything artificial. So artificial colors, artificial flavors, chemical preservatives, Mm -hmm. and artificial sweeteners. Right. So really it's this whole concept of if I'm going to, I'm going to group four of the Terminators together, um, saying blanket statements, stay away from anything artificial. What what I try, and this is such an important point, because you do not want to create a, an eating disordered environment for your children. Mm. So if people are listening to this and, and I'm freaking you out, I'm totally sorry, <laughs> but I'm going to tell you this. What you want to do is you want to talk to your kids. Talk to your kids about food. Talk to kids about what they like and don't like. And if your kid comes home from school, like my my older son did when he was in pre-K, and says, mommy, everybody else gets to eat all this junk. I don't, you know, I want crushables. <laughs> crushables are these yogurt crushable things, oh, okay. whatever. And, and so I said, and I wrote about this in the book, it's called cartoon characters and crappy food. Mm. And I said to my son, I said, Jack, come on, let's go to the grocery store. So I took him to the grocery store and I let him find his little crushables and I was crushed as he was <laughs> buying them. Yep. 
But I allowed it. And literally, Talia, he took, he opened it up. He took one, like, lick or bite uh-huh. or whatever you want to call right. it. And he looked at me. He goes, this is yogurt? <gasps> I go, uh-huh. He goes, it's disgusting. Wow. And threw it out. Wow. Okay. So he tossed the six pack away, <laughs> right? Before I even bought it, although I bought it, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, but what I say to parents is, is don't make these foods forbidden. Mm. If your kids want to try them, say, no problem. You can try them. But just so you know, we don't eat this at home, mm. right? Yeah. Or um, when you go to a birthday party, go for it. When you when it's Halloween, all bets are off. When I take you to the movies, no problem. Mm-hmm. You get one candy. Set boundaries. Yeah. And just say to them, let's read the ingredients together so you know what you're eating. I mean, it's the same thing even for us adults. My boyfriend, we, we don't have soda in our house, nor would he ever drink soda. But when we go to the movies, you better believe he gets a soda every single time. And that's his own rule that he set for himself. I'm not like, no soda allowed. You get it at the movies like he's my kid. But that's a rule that he set for himself where he gives himself boundaries. And you have to, but the, but you know, when you're talking kids, you know, kids don't, they don't have the ability to set their own boundaries. So as parents, you're imparting an education on them gently and lovingly. So they have the opportunity to be healthy. And there's something that I read that you said at the James Beard Foundation Enlightened Eaters series Mm -hmm. that also gave me the chills. I guess your stuff just gives me the chills. Oh my God, that's so good. Yeah. (laughs) And it makes me laugh, so props. But you said this, that you read a statistic to, that to buy a car, people spend roughly 15 hours of researching to buy one car. Yes. But on average, an American person spends 44 minutes grocery shopping a week. That's for like three meals and snacks yep. and probably multiple people. Yep. And you say, granted, a car is a very expensive purchase, but we're pretty priceless. So we're just not putting as much thought into the foods we choose. And that's where our values need to shift. Right. And we have, you know, it is our value system that has to shift. It's our priorities that have to shift. It's it's so true. It's really about, as you say, making nourishing ourselves a priority. Right. And and, and so, no, yeah. no, we, I mean, we all live very busy lives. Right. But I mean, like you said, if we can all plan for meetings, you know, get our hair done, have tea or binge watch Stranger Things or something, we can all make time to plan our grocery list or figure out what we'll we'll be cooking, when we'll cook. Um, I mean, we could even do that while binge watching Stranger Things. Right. You know, so I guess my question for you would be, where do you think everyone ought to start? Where does, where is step one in making nourishing ourselves a priority? Is it when you make a grocery list? Is it learning how to navigate the grocery store? Is it just like, a bigger picture thing, like deciding to eat less processed foods? Where do you think a good starting place is? I don't think that that we should start on a macro level, right? So I don't think it's sort of this blanket decision, oh, I'm going to stop eating processed foods, or I'm going to stop doing this, or I'm never going to do that. Mm-hmm. What I think is it's accepting the fact that um, eating healthfully takes a little thought, and planning. We all know what our weeks are going to look like to some extent. We know right. when we have meetings. We know, mm-hmm. you know, when we're perhaps exercising. We know when we're going to try to go to bed. Um, 
We know, you know, where we have to be if we're traveling. We know all of that. And, and we spend time planning that. We make appointments. Mm-hmm. We set it, you know, through email, through phone. We do all of that. Yeah. Take a little time and focus on food. Yeah. When you I mean, shop. I always say you have to plan your plan. Exactly. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And I love that you also talk so much about small changes adding up to big differences in our lives. You know, like hell exactly. to the yeah on that. So, you know, throughout your long, successful career working with people of all different shapes, sizes, ages, whatever, have you really found that small changes adding up over time are more effective in the long run than, say, somebody, you know, cutting dairy overnight? Absolutely. I mean, I'll take this example, which is one of my my favorite. When my book came out, I was invited to speak at a local high school out here. Mm-hmm. And cool. um, it was like, you know, I had about 40 parents and I had the principal there as well. Mm. Now I know the principal because his son plays travel hockey. And, and mm-hmm. I know what his son is drinking when he's on the ice and, <laughs> right. and, and around the ice. And so um, he's listening and I see like his face start to drop and, and he raises his hand and he looks at me. He goes, okay, I'm sold. What can I start with? I go, well, hmm, now mm-hmm. that you ask, oh. how about losing the Gatorade? Mm-hmm. And opting into not my favorite, but a better alternative, vitamin water. Oh, I was going to say coconut water. Yeah, but I have Is that too to, big of a stretch? For some, it's too big of a stretch, not only from a palate standpoint, from a pocket standpoint, too. Mm, you're right? Right. Literally, you know, almost two years later, I, I ran into him the other day. I was like, so how's it going? He goes, no Gatorade. Oh. I said, that's awesome. That's great. That's awesome. That's so great. So what it is, is that, you know, it's, it's very small changes. Tell us about your relationship with gummy bears, because I loved in your book when I read about the whole can't live without foods thing and your gummy bear story is just really relatable and charming. And I think sums up this point very well. You know, so one of the things that I've I've learned throughout the years of working with people uh, one-on-one and in groups is that there are so many psycho-emotional factors that contribute to food choice, okay? Mm -hmm. Everything from culture to families to traumas to good times versus bad times. Um, And everything has to be honored, period, end of discussion. I -hmm. do not believe that people should eliminate these types of things from their diet. Okay. I, mm-hmm. I believe, and that's why I call them the can't live without. So every, yeah. everybody has them. So mine is gummy bears. Um, <laughs> because when I was a kid, uh, you know, I don't hold on to a, a ton of, um, memories from childhood. I mean, there are, there are several that really stand out to me that are really positive. And we used to go skiing as a family. And we'd go away skiing with this one family. And, uh, one time, uh, this, the mom whose, uh, whose husband actually was, um, I think he was German or Austrian. Um, she brought this big bag of brightly colored gummy bears <laughs> to, uh, you know, our family vacation. 
And there were four kids total, my brother and I and two other kids. And she took a stack of these gummy bears. I had never had them before. Um, <laughs> and it was, they actually were the original gummy bears that came over here, which were Haribo. And she put them in our jacket pockets. And she said, here's a little sweet treat for when you guys are skiing. And they were so good. And, <laughs> and so... What, they didn't freeze? No, they I'm surprised. Froze. <laughs> oh, what really? was so good about them. Um, oh. <laughs> so they became sort of this thing that every time we went away skiing, which was so much fun, we would get the Haribo. These, I didn't know they were Haribo at the time. We would get these uh -huh. gummy bears. And then, of course, Haribo right. came over to this country and was more readily available. And I was like, oh, my God, these gummy bears. Oh, my God. <laughs> and <laughs> so and so, um, so the gummy bears really are a part of a very positive part of my childhood that I remember, right? A very enjoyable period of my childhood. And mm -hmm. so I've always loved these Haribo gummy bears. And so, uh, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, a company was born called Yummy Earth. And so it started by two dads who were sort of done with um, you know, all the junky candy. And so they created these yummy earth gummy bears and gummy worms and, you know, gummy fruities and lollipops. And so I actually love the yummy earth version. But the point is, is that we all mm -hmm. have stuff that has a connection to our past or to our childhood or to some really positive experience, whenever it may be. And we know that what that food is, is not really that health supportive. Don't avoid it. Mm -hmm. Enjoy it once in a while. Totally. I mean, I th I always say that our body's programmed to allow for a little bit of that stuff. It really Absolutely. cares about our most of Ab the time, right? Absolutely. Yeah, it's okay. It can handle a little gummy bear every now and again. It's just, it looks for the most of the time, the majority of your food intake. And I mean, on the flip side, like you said, there are healthy alternatives to almost everything. Oh my God. Naturalcandystore.com. Hello. <laughs> Is that a real thing? Yes. Okay. We're <laughs> linking to that in the show notes. <laughs> okay. I love it. And I love, you know, to that, I love in your book where you basically say, suck it up, your palate will adjust to the healthier food. That to me is also one of my major philosophies. You know, when I give talks to college students, I always ask them to raise their hands and tell me if they liked their first sip of beer or first shot of vodka. And obviously no one raises their hands. And then I say, okay, but how many of you like beer or vodka now? And as right. long as there's no administrator in the room, they all raise their hands. Right. You know, and I say, it's because you adapted your taste buds. You wanted to reap the benefits of the alcohol, right. you know, the giggles or whatever. So you adapted your taste buds. And it's the same for healthy foods. Yep. You know, like I didn't like my first taste of green juice or, or my first real dark chocolate, but I liked how those things made me feel. Absolutely. So I adapted my taste buds. You like the, the way those things make you feel. And I think that right. in, in the end, that's what it's about is that, you know, how do you feel? I, I was giving a book talk once and this lovely man raises his hand and he says, Stephanie, how should I eat my cauliflower? What is the healthiest way to eat my cauliflower? And he goes on, raw, steamed, roasted, blah, 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 blah. And I'm listening to him and I'm like, oh my God. And I just look at him and I go, stop. I said, how do you like your cauliflower? 
Right. He goes sauteed. I go, well, then that's how you're eating it. Oh my gosh. Oh, yes. So, so, you know, you have people who need to understand that you, you have people who need to understand that what they eat is a determinant of their health. And so they have the power to choose, right. And choose as healthy as possible. Mm -hmm. And then you have the people who as I call it, you know, um, nutrition analysis leads to culinary paralysis or Mm. they micromanage nutrients. Right. And you're like, oh my God, oh my God, these people need to let go and just enjoy their food. Yeah. And so, you know, there was a book many years ago called Health Food Junkies. Huh. Yeah, it was fabulous. But now, you know, I don't know if you know of orthorexia nervosa. Oh yeah. It's like, uh-huh. And it's a DSM. This is official DSM code for ortho- orthorexia nervosa. That's scary. Yeah. I mean, this is, it's very, like not in right now, but it's definitely being spoken about a ton. It's, it's when you're obsessed with healthy eating, right? It's mm-hmm. you're, you're obsessed with every little thing going in your body to a really unhealthy degree. Oh yeah. 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 I, I had a couple of students with uh, orthorexia nervosa a couple of weeks ago and um, it's, it's paralytic, it's paralytic. Well, that's because we're getting fed so much conflicting, stressful information. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, you just have to, you know, care about what the fork you're eating, right? That's all. just a little bit and, and eat more plants, eat less crap, eat less processed foods or phony foods and, and just focus on that being your majority of the time. Well, it's, it's true. And the, this is the other thing, though, that I want to point out is that do not, you know, Jimmy Kimmel, he does a couple of skits on this stuff and it's hysterical. He did a skit on the gluten-free diet on interviewing yes. people, you know, are you gluten-free? What is gluten? Exactly. Nobody knew what gluten was. Their yoga instructor that. told them to go on gluten-free diet and they have no idea why they're on it. Um, and then he did this we'll whole link thing. link to that in the show notes. It's so funny. Yeah. And then he had this thing on juice, on, on cold-pressed juice. I don't know if you oh, saw this. No, I didn't priceless where he's outside of an LA or he's, his, his team is outside of an LA uh, farmer's market and um, he's selling cold pressed juice for $10 a bottle and, and people are loving it and buying into it. Meanwhile, he's got four different flavors. One is fun dip in water. The other's Skittles in water. <gasps> the other's creamsicles in water and the other's Tang in water. Oh my God. Okay. So we will buy anything. Like we will buy anything. And, you know, people have to become skeptical shoppers. People have to question, you know, you have got to question everything. So when you turn on the Today Show, for example, which, Mm -hmm. you know, I've had multiple bones to pick with some of the segments that they've put out there. And you have, you know, your staff nutritionist talking about a healthy breakfast and Skippy flashes across the screen. Mm. Don't for a second think that Skippy is healthy for you. Of course. I mean, a couple weeks ago, I tweeted about this. On the Today Show, you had four hosts talking about trends in eating cereal. And you had Lucky Charms, and you had Frosted Flakes, and you had two other cereals that they were crunching up in a bowl and eating with milk and saying, hey, this is a new thing, how you're eating cereal. Now, the media takes a back seat to promoting real health. Because they're into ratings and they're bought by big food, Mm -hmm. right? So when you see it in the media, don't think that it's healthy, that it's 
you know, when I get, get asked to go on like Dr. Oz, for example, Mm -hmm. and I've been on that show several times, you know, I negotiate how I'm going to speak about things. Right. Because I know what I'm willing to do and they're willing to work with me. So I'll go on that show. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, so don't think because you read it in Vanity Fair, you read it in Self, or you read it in, you know, all of these different magazines, or or you hear it in the news ma- media, or you, you read it on any of these online platforms, don't think that that's the end-all, be-all truth. A right. lot of times there will be um, backup information or links to articles. Um, go look at the articles, you know? Yeah. About a year or so ago, there was this whole, or a couple years ago, this whole craze came out about how chocolate, I don't know if you remember this, chocolate promotes weight loss. No, so I did not hear promotes, about this. Yeah. So there was this whole thing that chocolate promotes weight loss. And so the media went, there was a study, a quote unquote study that, <laughs> that out of, I think, Germany or something that chocolate promotes weight loss. It sounds like a convenient study. <laughs> well, the media went wild. Yeah. Wild. A year later, an article was written called Psych. Okay. S-I-K-E. Oh. The guy who wrote the article, okay, um, the guy who wrote the article fudged the entire study. Okay. <gasps> he completely fudged the study. And he writes, I fooled millions into thinking <gasps> that chocolate helps weight loss. And here's how. Okay. And he goes on to tell you he's a PhD. Wow. And he is a journalist. Okay. In molecular biology of bacteria. He created the entire study to prove how the media turns one tidbit of perhaps BS scientific information into a craze. Wow. Fork. Yeah, dude, that guy's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's not awesome whether they do that, but props to him. Exactly. Props to him. Wow. Exactly. So my, my point is, is that you cannot believe what, what you hear in the media all the time. And so go for backup sources. So like Mm -hmm. I have three backup sources that I actually guide a lot of um, consumer-minded people to. Why don't you send me all of them and I'll link to them in the yeah, show notes. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's where you should be getting your information, not from Vanity Fair. Become empowered, become yeah. educated, and a skeptical shopper. Yeah. That's the name of absolutely. the game. So, whew, I'm all heated here. I know, a lot of information. <laughs> Fork and ready. Fork and ready. <laughs> Fork and ready to reboot food, as I say it, you know? Yes. And, and um, we all have that chance. And so I say lasso it, harness it, and um, start small. Start small. Yeah. Well, before I let you go, I want to ask you just some personal food questions, yeah. if you don't mind. So I'm curious, is there a favorite plant party restaurant that you have? Just favorite plant-based dishes that drives you wild? My green drink drives me wild. (laughs) Okay. What's in your green drink? You know, some kind of dark leafy green, like a kale, spinach, arugula, sorrel, um, things like that. Uh, I have it in my book, actually, the recipe or a version of the recipe, cucumbers, fresh herbs, um, avocado, apple, pineapple. Wow. I use rice milk, 
Yeah. So, um, okay, cool. So it's a smoothie. It's a smoothie. So I do like, I don't really believe in juicing as much as I believe in food as juice. So I take it and put it all my Vitamix. I love that. So, um, so that's, that's, um, one of my faves. I love, um, bean soups Hmm. and I like pureeing them. So I'll make a lentil soup and then I'll puree it. So it becomes as, as my dear colleague and friend calls Rebecca Katz calls them cashmere soups. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So we Maybe. puree them in, in her Vitamix is called Vinny. So um, she purees <laughs> oh hers in Vinny the Vitamix. And I actually haven't named mine. Maybe mine will be Veronica. Oh, I like that. Um, she sounds she, fancy. So, yeah. So I, I do that. Um, do you have a recipe for that in your book too? Um, I do. Soup? Well, there's a, a lentil, a lazy lentil soup in there that's not awesome. pureed, but you can always puree that. And I do okay. have a pureed cauliflower soup. Mm. Um, and, and there is a little cheese in it, so it's not vegan, but you can opt out of the cheese and in fact, put a little miso in it instead. And that will give it sort of a fermented flavor. Yeah. I love that. That Yeah. So good. Especially now as it's getting chilly. Exactly. Soups are where it's at. Now, in addition, you know, to your own book, which I'm sure you love, is there another book that has just inspired you a ton? I mean, I know you mentioned Anne-Marie Colvin's book, uh, is there a book that really comes to mind or is that the book that really just has inspired the heck out of you? God, you know, there, there are so many books that have inspired me. And I think it would be fair to say that Anne-Marie Colvin is, is up there. Uh, Andy Weil is by far up there. I mean, he is, uh, he is the forefather of, of integrative functional medicine. He really is. And, and Anne-Marie Colvin is really the foremother of the, the food and healing movement. You know, I love the work, if we're talking cookbooks, um, sure. I love my dear friends and colleagues, obviously, who I'll always talk about, Rebecca Katz and Ellie Krieger. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that their work is just so deeply meaningful, truthful. Their hearts are in the right place. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm after all of that authenticity. And, and you don't get any more authentic than um, Rebecca and Ellie. So those are some of my faves. Man, you got some good books. You must have a huge bookshelf. I do. I'm looking at it right now. I'm just <laughs> so you're just going through them. You know, I've also um, I'm also launching in January of 2017 a What the Fork book club. Oh, what's that going to be? Yeah, yeah. So what it is is it's six books a year that are curated food related books that are curated by me. We're starting with my book. And you can sign up at my website. Um, it's under Edible Education, and it's What the Fork Book Club. And you can sign up, and then um, you can see the books. And it's we'll do a webinar a month, cool. and it's for you know a minimal a minimal fee. Um, it's twenty five dollars a month, and uh, you'll do you'll get um, book notes, you'll get a finely curated list, and then we'll have a once a month a once a month discussion about the book that we're reading. Perfect. Well, there you go. We don't need a photo of your bookshelf. We just need to join your book club. Actually, you're right. I just thought of that. <laughs> wow, that oh tied in perfectly. We did not even plan that. I'm not even joking. <laughs> yeah. So, so where can everyone go to find that and everything about you? So everybody can find me at stephaniesacks.com. That's Stephanie with an F for food. And <laughs> oh. Sachs is S-A-C-K-S. For what? And for what you bring to a farmer's market? Thank you so much for giving us all this time and all your wisdom. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you, Talia. This was fun anytime and uh, I enjoyed it.
Thanks for listening to the Party in My Plants podcast. I hope you're feeling fired up to deliberately choose what you fork into your body. Remember, if we have time to plan a haircut or a lunch date and carve out time to do strings of errands or binge watch Stranger Things, we can all take time to plan what healthy stuff we're going to buy and cook. And as I always say, you can't have a plant party without a plan. For more knowledge bombs like this, links to the funny videos and resources Stephanie mentioned, and so much more that takes the hell out of healthy living, hop on over to partyinmyplants.com slash 17.